This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, today we've got a special guest on the podcast. Her name is Brittany Delamora. So she was a porn star for seven years, and at one time she was seen as one of the most successful and most sought-after porn actresses in the world. And she seemingly had it all, and we talked about that in this episode. She was young, she was rich, she was good-looking, she was famous. But as with many of the people that are inside that industry, she was also miserable completely miserable. She was filled with shame. She found herself in these endless cycles of drug abuse and suicide attempts and crimes and and all kinds of things. And that was until Christ stepped in and literally snatched her up out of that life and saved her. And we're going to talk about all of that in this particular podcast. And it it was such an incredible interview. We had it on the books for a while. It's one of those things like, you know, how do you traverse an interview like this? You want to make sure it's honoring to the guests, but at the same time, you don't want to cause any temptation for anybody listening to this. But it's a very, very important thing for all of you guys listening to this to understand that this episode today is incredibly raw. Um, I would say it's for adults. But I do think that teens should listen to this. So, so this is my thing. I think that dis- discretion is something that I would advise to, to parents here. I would listen to this because it's a shorter interview than some of the ones we do. I would go ahead and listen to this first and then make sure your teens listen to this. Because here's the thing about the porn industry. They've done an incredible job. And, and all the people that like the porn industry and want to force people into it and, and all these things, they've done an incredible job of making this seem squeaky clean. Like, like it's no big deal. Like this is empowering somehow to men and women that are in this industry that all of them want to be there. None of them are being held against their will. And the reality is so different than that. And that's why we got into such detail. And I guess you could say graphic detail in this particular podcast, because people don't understand it's a bunch of broken people with broken past that get into this and then they get stuck. A lot of these people don't understand that they can't just buy a bus ticket and get out of this industry. Some of them have debts that have to be paid off at risk of being physically hurt or even killed. Right. And we, we talk in this podcast about how a lot of women are raped. A lot of women are kind of bait and switched um, where, you know, they show up on set, they start doing their work or whatever. And then halfway through, they say, hey, you're going to do this, this, this and this also. And then they're like, well, I'm not going to do that. And then it's like, OK, well, you're not going to get paid at all. Or, you know, they're starting to be threatened physically. There's a human trafficking element to the pornography industry. Obviously, there's scripting uh, with violence in these violent acts that young kids are watching and looking at and they're like, oh, well, if a girl doesn't look like she's in pain while I'm having sex with her, then apparently I'm not doing it right. But she ended up getting out of the pornography industry, had a a crazy interaction with Christ. The Holy Spirit was leading her out of that life. And then she married a pastor. And so in this, this particular episode, we talk about, okay, well, how did those conversations go? 
because all of us have had to, you know, define the relationship at some point. You talk about your past, your good and your bad and those types of things. And she was very, very open and honest about how those conversations went because guys, you know this, in this Christian space, a lot of times we try to make things squeaky clean when they're certainly not. That's why a lot of Christian movies, you know, fall completely flat because it's like, yeah, I get the point, but it's like life is more depraved than that. There's more darkness than that. But we talk about shame. We talk about understanding the levels of redemption that Christ can have for you, what she's doing now with her ministry, Love Always Ministries, how they go and directly minister to porn stars and sex workers. And, you know, I asked her, you know, she basically talked about, hey, is is that an easy thing? Are they receptive? And those types of things. I was very, very surprised by her answer. And then at the end, we kind of wrap up with, I asked her a question about whether or not we should criminalize the pornography industry. And so you'll want to stick around for that answer. I really, really enjoyed my time with her. So without further ado, let's get into it. Brittany Delamora, welcome to Undaunted Life of Man's podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I'm happy to have you on. We've had this on the books for a while now, and we're going to cover a lot of ground today, but we do kind of need to give people an idea of how you became who you are today. And we need to start early because you weren't always Brittany De La Mora. You grew up Brittany Ruiz. And so it's like, tell me what it was like growing up Brittany Ruiz. Yeah. So I just grew up in um, a very chaotic, dysfunctional household. Uh, we didn't know God. Um, there was very much a lack of love in our house. Um, I mean, growing up was, was pretty hard. It was a, I, because it was so dysfunctional, I grew up with just a lot of insecurities and battle with a lot of rejection and just searching for love in all the wrong places. Okay. So, um, obviously for anyone that knows your story and I obviously uh, talked about it in the intro, that's not surprising to me. I didn't actually know that about your upbringing, but if I had to guess, I would have checked all the boxes that that you just said. Mm -hmm. Now, for you, as far as I understand it, you entered the porn industry when you turned 18, but before then you were working, you were working in a strip club or in an adult, uh, some sort of facility like that. Um, is that the similar story for a lot of folks that are kind of starting off into that? Is that, you know, they kind of come from that broken past, kind of a chaotic upbringing? Yeah. So most, I mean, most people did have like chaotic upbringings. I've heard stories of people that were molested or raped or, you know, were beat over the head with a Bible. You're going to go to hell. So it's like, well, I'm going to hell anyways. Might as well do whatever I want um, because I'm not good enough for this God who's looking for perfection. So you hear just all kinds of stories, but they're all stories of brokenness. And I think that's a, a very common through point that when you see people that have come out of that brokenness, they don't understand people that haven't had that level of brokenness in their life, Brittany, they don't understand the level of depravity. They don't understand what it, what it takes to be resilient and come out of that. But we'll certainly get more into that. But I teed it up just a second ago. But for you, as long as I have my, my information correct, you enter the pornography industry whenever you turned 18 years old. And so, right. you, and I guess just take me through that because there are kids that turn 18 and they're getting excited to go off to college or getting excited to go off to the workforce or become, you know, uh, you know, do something else other than that. But obviously that was the route you went. So take us through how that all went down. You know, I was excited about college too. And I had actually, I was a straight A student in high school. I really tried to be perfect because I tried to meet the unrealistic expectations of my parents. Mm -hmm. Um, and when perfection didn't earn me the love that I was looking for, I just kind of went off in the other direction. So I was in college studying broadcasting and journalism. Uh, and one night I ended up just going into a strip club and I started working at a strip club. I was working there a few nights a week. A couple producers came in one night and said, you're beautiful. You are destined to be a star. We make romance movies. If you're ever interested, give us a call. So I knew they were talking about porn. But for me and my reasoning, like 
I just had this, I believe this lie in my head that if I could be famous, then I'm going to feel fulfilled in life. If I could be famous and everybody's praising me and telling me how wonderful I am, then I'm finally going to learn how to love myself. And so when they said you're destined to be a star, I'm just like, you know, they really pulled me in with that. I mean, people say that, oh, she probably just went to porn for the money. I was actually making more money at the strip club than I did in porn. It wasn't really the money. It was about like, oh, everybody's going to know who I am. And then I'm finally Finally, I'm going to learn to love myself. And so I went to LA the next day. Um, they put me in hair and makeup. I saw my very first porn scene. I wasn't like, I didn't really watch porn. It wasn't something when I watched it, I was like, oh, it's kind of awkward, kind of gross. Like if any porn that I had watched, it was softcore porn. So it's not like this was a fantasy that I was like, yes, I get to fulfill this. It was really about the thought that I thought this was going to make me famous. And I thought that that's where I was going to find love. So what's interesting about that, isn't it funny how a single statement of an aspirational identity can cause you to go down a path like that? I remember like my ninth grade wrestling coach saying, Kyle, you've got the eye of the tiger. Like you can be an Olympian someday. And I'm just, yeah. oh my gosh, like I could have ran through like the, the biggest brick wall on the planet at that moment because, and it wasn't like I was deprived of love for my family, but it was like, this was an authority figure, kind of a pseudo father figure giving me that. And it's like, I'm going to wrestle the planet. And like, you know, it, it's funny how something like that happens. But for you, obviously, you get in while uh, at the age of 18, you were in that industry for about seven years uh, from 2005 to 2012, I believe. And yeah. here's the thing is from from a consumer side, because I've talked about it a lot on my show when I was in my 20s, I was a consumer of that. Obviously, most men have been consumers of that at some point right. or another are currently still consuming that. Um, there, there are a lot of misconceptions about what that industry is from the talent side of things. Because you, you mentioned some of it there, you know, rich, famous, those types of things. Certainly that is true for the people that are at the upper echelon or something like that, but that's not always the case. But I guess, were there some things that caught you off guard as you were making your way into the industry? Because it sounded like you didn't really have a whole lot of hesitation. It was just kind of like a logical next step for you. But anything that per perhaps the general public wouldn't be aware of in terms of what it's actually like on the inside. So when I first got in, um, I think part of the thing that pulled me in was I did remember seeing like a very well-known uh, porn star on the E! True Hollywood story. And they really glamorized porn on that particular mm -hmm. episode. And so I thought, oh, this is amazing. Like, you know, I these women ha have or are everything that I'm hoping to become. I want to be beautiful. I want to be this, that, you know. And so I end up getting into the business and my first scene is like, they're having us go to like try different kinds of marijuana in San Francisco. And then they wanted us to go to UC Berkeley and ask guys if we can perform sex acts on them. And I'm like, this is disgusting. And then I had never had unprotected sex. And then to find out that that was actually a huge part of the industry. And I didn't know that, but yet you get tested every 28 days. So supposedly you're safe and protected. But then my first month in the business, I caught my first STD. I got gonorrhea. And I'm just like, this is not what I thought that I was signing up for. Um, and then the rest of the scenes that had been booked for me, because I was 18, I was getting booked every day. Even when I had gonorrhea, they had me booked for um, oral sex scenes um, so that I didn't 
have to not work because they just wanted me to shoot as much as I could. Um, so I had like work 70 something days in a row before I was like, I need a day off. And most of those scenes, they were pairing me with older men and they were putting me in pigtails and they were really um, painting the picture of molestation, of pedophilia. And what's so like disheartening about those types of scenes is that porn I've come to find is really like a drug. And when those scenes don't fill you anymore, you start to look for those things in the outside world. So maybe you now you're an older man and you've been watching these scenes for so long that now you're only attracted to younger girls. It creates an appetite in you that should have never been in you to start with, but that's what porn does. It creates like, um, I found it interesting. My daughter during Christmas, she, Every commercial that she saw, mom, come here, hurry. I want that for Christmas. And I'm like, you didn't even know that toy existed until you <laughs> right. saw that commercial. Right. And the same is true with porn. It's like, you didn't even know that you ever wanted that until you saw it in a porn scene. And now it's created this appetite and this hunger in you that's perverse. Well, that's one thing that Benjamin Nolo, who introduced us, who was on the show last year, uh, he's done some documentaries that have looked at things like that, that 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 is aiding the pedophilia problem that we're Absolutely. seeing in, in modernity because you're exactly right. And part of it starts with, you know, how most people started with pornography that, you know, a playboy that they hid in the woods or at a buddy's house or something like that. And then it progressively got up from there. But there's been plenty of stories, Brittany, of these people that they can literally trace back from the time they raped a woman in the real world back to a time when they first started looking at porn and how they kept getting to this place where they couldn't get off, they couldn't get off, they couldn't get off. And then it just got progressively worse. And so I, I guess talk to me a little bit about that. Cause we've had other folks on here that have talked about psychologically and, and mentally and even chemically in the brain, what it does to change your, ple your pleasure pathways. Um, you know, Dr. John Fobert has been on here. He's done a lot of writing on that, but scripting the, the creation of appetites, but then even, not, not even more so uh, nefarious, but when you have sexual violence that is being yeah. modeled for young boys. And so again, for me, my, my first exposure to porn was a playboy, but for a 10, 11, 12 year old boy right now, from the moment his parents hand him an unlocked smartphone, he has access to rape porn, to, to wow. death, death porn, like any of the most depraved yeah. things that you can see. And now they think that if the girl doesn't seem like she's in pain, that he's not doing it right. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about that, because again, the scripting that it's giving our young people is astonishingly evil. Yeah, well, it, re it creates a, a fantasy in you that you want to now go and fulfill. And porn really is about pushing the limits. Um, I mean, there were times that I would get asked to do like just some horrendous scenes. And I just got to the place where I would just say, well, I'll tack on an extra 500 bucks and I'll do it. And it's like, I'm here. I'm no better than people that are watching porn. I performed in it. Like we're all in this boat together. Um, but yeah, the reality is, is that the directors, the producers, the writers of these scripts, like they are out to really push the limits um, because they know what it does. Like scene, they know that scenes that were once popular are no longer as popular because people aren't watching your morally acceptable scenes anymore because mm -hmm. Porn has pushed the limits so much that they have to keep doing that because they're trying to uh, curve your hunger, not realizing that incur um, or filling your hunger that they are actually having to get more and more and more aggressive. So, yeah, I mean, there's been things like I remember something when I was like 18. I vaguely remember like 
um, they did, it was kind of like a rape type scene and then wrapping me in saran wrap afterwards. Um, and so it's, it's really dark. It's really demonic. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, they're, they're just trying to push the limits. It's pretty awful. Well, demonic is certainly the word. Uh, and, and again, I, I remember seeing when you see these documentaries from people that are trying to expose the dark underbelly of this industry, th there's no positives that you can find. And, and we'll get more into some of the positives that people try to spin. But something that, that I've heard a lot and I've seen a lot from people that are kind of insiders and people like you that have, that have come out of it on the other end is there's quite a bit of bait and switching that happens on people like you. So you show up thinking this is what I'm going to do. And you kind of alluded to it a second ago. Well, no, you're actually going to do this. And, and there's more people and there's all that. And then there's the threat. If you don't, it's like, well, you're not going to get paid at all. And this is after you've been working for a few hours, as it were. Okay, there, you're not going to get paid at all. And then there's also a human trafficking element that people don't quite understand. They think all these women are there voluntarily, and they're doing this because they want to be rich and famous and have a lot of Instagram followers or whatever that type of thing is. But in a lot of these situations, their managers are actually their pimps, and they are running up a debt to their pimp if they don't keep working. And it's, it's this nefarious thing that when guys are just consuming it, they're not thinking about the fact that that girl doesn't want to be there for a myriad yeah. of reasons, but to a certain degree, she's being threatened with her life if she doesn't perform those acts. So I, I want you to kind of talk a little bit more about that since you saw it from the inside. Yeah. Well, I was actually addicted to heroin at one point in my career and I ended up leaving porn, uh, moving in with my grandma, going to church. But at that point in my life, like, and I made, I, I, I received Jesus as my Lord and savior that day that I went to church, but you know, it's a process to get like in your journey with the Lord. So I still had a lot of weaknesses, men being one of them. Um, and this man came into my life and he happened to be a pimp. So the next three and a half years that I was in the business, I wasn't there because I wanted to be. I was there because I made a series of mistakes after moving in with my grandma, where if I didn't go and move in with this pimp, I was just going to be homeless. I had nowhere to live. Mm -hmm. um, and so I went and stayed with him thinking, oh, like, you know, I know he's a pimp, but he's a friend of a friend. So he would never do that to me. Right. No, I ended up back in the porn industry and on back page and prostitution, doing all these things that I didn't want to do because, you know, his thing was you have to make a thousand dollars a day. So whatever that looks like. And if you make more one day, it doesn't roll over to the next day. It's a thousand dollars a day. So if you're not shooting porn, you're having sex with like 10 guys on back page. Um, and so it was a, like a really, really, really low place in my life. And I think a lot of people don't see that because here I am in performance mode. I'm sure everybody can relate to that. Like maybe, you know, you show up around that family member you don't want to be around, but you put a smile on your face because it's the right thing to do. Right. Um, and that was me. I was showing up to do these porn scenes with a smile on my face because that was what I had to do. Um, but it didn't mean that I wanted to be there and it didn't mean that I was enjoying the scenes. I was acting. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, uh, last year we had a gal on named Jessica Midkiff. She was trafficked from the age of 12 to the age of 22 and hearing about her stories and what she had to do. And, and cause a lot of people make these curt statements, Brittany, they're like, well, you can just quit. You can just, you can get a bus ticket. You can just go, go somewhere. But it's like, if you've never been under the thumb of somebody that is threatening you physically. And again, we don't understand as men, because as men we can fight and, and that's, that's our main way of protecting ourselves for women. That's not really the, the, the case for, for most of them, just, you know, biologically speaking, but what you're speaking to Brittany is from the outside, again, from the consumer side and what all the proponents of, of porn try to convince people is it seems like porn stars have it all. They're young, 
They're good looking. They're famous. They're rich. They're empowered, right? This is like some weird fourth wave feminism nonsense. It's empowering. They're free. They get to have sex all the time, living their best life, whatever that's supposed to mean. But for you, you, you mentioned it there. You were one of the most famous female porn stars in the world during your career, and you were miserable. You were addicted yeah. to drugs. Uh, you were witness to a lot of crimes. You participated in some crimes. You witnessed a murder. You tried to kill yourself on several occasions. All these things were at the very least tangentially tied directly to what you were doing for work. So just take us through what the industry does to make sure and guarantee no one ever sees that because they got to keep you clicking. They've got to keep you engaged. They got to keep the money rolling in. Yeah. Well, the reality is, is like you have this alter ego, right? So like I'm Brittany, but I had a stage name when I was performing. And so when I was in that alter ego, which was pretty much all the time, like I never really was around anybody that knew me as Brittany. And so you get into this character and when you're in your character, if you start to open up about how depressed and suicidal and addicted to drugs you are, nobody's going to hire you because they're going to be like, I don't, I don't want to be, you know, the, the guilty one. If she goes and offs herself, like, so I'm just not going to hire her. But then if you're not getting hired, you make no money. And so, um, the women and men in that business really keep things hush hush. You have to go on your social media and pretend that you love what you're doing. But now that my husband and I have our ministry, Love Always Ministries, we are talking to a lot of industry workers and we have people reaching out to us all the time. I want to leave, but I don't know how. I want to leave, but what am I going to do with my life? And like, they are miserable. And these are people that you would see on their Instagrams that are like praising and talking about how empowered they are and how much they love the business and how it's like created this dream lifestyle for them. But it's, it's, again, it's a fantasy. It's just like when you're watching porn, that person is still in character just because they're on their Instagram and you might see a small part of their personal life. You might get to see their dogs or their goldfish. Like it doesn't mean that you actually know them. And that's another thing that porn does. It's so crazy. When I used to go and sign autographs at, um, porn shows, I would have men that were seriously proposing to me, asking me to marry them. And it's because when you're watching porn, it's creating this fantasy because you've ejaculated to that woman. So now there's this soul tie where you feel like you're emotionally bonded to this woman, Um, but she doesn't even know you. And so it creates this thing in your head like, oh, no, well, I've seen her with her goldfish and her dogs. Like, I really know her. Mm. She's really happy. But you're buying the lie. When you can almost see in their attitude, they're trying to convince themselves because we hear this, this new age nonsense about it's your aspirational identity, you know, name it and claim it, believe it and achieve it. And it's like, oh, I'm going to pretend as if this is exactly where I wanted to be, that I've always dreamed about this moment where I could be having sex for money. But for you, and, and you alluded to it a second ago, Brittany, in December of 2012, you decided to leave the porn industry and a lot went into that decision. And you, you talked about a little bit of that. So I, I guess what happened before December of 2012 that preceded you leaving because, you know, again, yeah, your, your life was miserable, but you were making money and you, you know, you were getting clicks and you were you know, in front of the cameras. So, so what was the final straw? I guess that's like, no, I'm out. Honestly. Uh, so in 2012, there were, there were like two kind of occasions. So the first one was that me and my pimp, I got in a huge fight and that was when I just finally put my foot down. 
Um, and I'm just like, I, I, I had been reading my Bible. So I was developing a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I clearly hold, heard the Holy Spirit tell me to leave him. And I was just like, I don't have anybody. Who am I going to call? Um, the Holy Spirit told me to call my mom. And we had, we have a great relationship now. But at that time, it was really really hindered. Like we did not have a good relationship. So I was like, I'm not going to call her. And the Holy Spirit said, humble yourself and call your mom. So I did that. And she came and she helped me get away from this guy. Um, she showed up within 20 minutes, picked me up, helped me get some of my stuff. And, and then I was done. Um, but then I had to go and film porn because for the last three years, I'd been giving him all my money. I was broke. I had no money. Um, and so I went to go film a porn scene in Las Vegas and I brought my Bible on the airplane and I was reading, uh, revelation chapter two, verse 20 through 23. And it says that I have this thing against you. You tolerate that woman named Jezebel. I've given her time to repent. And if she doesn't repent, I'll cast her and her children and all who commit, um, sexual immorality with her into a sick bed. And I'm just like on the airplane, bawling my eyes out and I'm repenting. God, I'm so sorry. I had no idea that this is what I've been doing. I've been leading people into sin and and I didn't know that. And, and I had this like godly sorrow and it was this true repentance that came upon me. And so the Holy Spirit just started to speak to me. He said, Brittany, this isn't the life I have for you. The life that I have for you is going to overflow with so much love, peace, and joy. And if you would quit the porn industry today, I would bless your life like no man ever could. So I went to set that day. I told everybody about Jesus. Um, and then I quit porn that day. It was a huge step of faith. But when you have a word from God, like you can't shake that conviction. And it was like, God just spoke to me. Like, I don't know what's going to happen with my life now, but I'm just going to go for it. So... I mean, God did what he said he would. Like I started going to church and he truly blessed my life like no man ever could. A couple years, well, three years later, I ended up marrying my husband. We have two beautiful daughters now. Um, I've been out of the porn industry for 10 years. And um, yeah, we're authors, we're preachers, and we lead lovealwaysministries.com. And um, it's really a blessing to see people getting set free from porn and also seeing other industry workers leave. Yeah, I, I'm... I have so many more questions and we have limited time. So I'll try to keep them all. Cause like that's, that's such a great word from people. Cause I, I tell people all the time, Brittany, like not everybody has a Brittany Delamore story of, of salvation. Not everybody, you know, had the needle in their arm and then they died and then they hovered over their body and then whoop, they came back down and Jesus is like, don't do that again. They're like, okay. Like no, no, most people just have a normal story, but whatever your redemption story is, it's your redemption story because Christ is saving you. And the only yeah. perfection, cause you've said the word perfection a lot, especially in the beginning, you can't find perfection unless you have Christ. And I do want to talk a little bit about the element of shame that comes in here because, you know, obviously you felt shame while you were in the industry. People that use this as a masturbatory aid feel shame, but it's the understanding of redemption. Yeah. It's so important. And as I was thinking about your story, I thought about Luke 7, 41 through 43. It's this, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed 500 denarii and the other owed 50. Neither of them had money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Again, this is Jesus speaking. And then Simon replied, I suppose the one that had the bigger debt, you have judged correctly, Jesus said. So for you, I think levels of depravity are real because some people are like, ah, oh, Jesus just sees sin. Yes or no. It's like, but we don't like, we don't see that. Like when you have an ax murderer come to Christ, that's way different than a seven year old. That's just, you know, trying to make it through the day without peeing themselves. And <laughs> for you, like take me through that a little bit, because like, I'm sure it wasn't just 
got it, you know, gave you a word, you went on set, you quit. And then it was just, oh, you're skipping through the meadows for the next like 10 years. Yeah. Like, I'm sure there were some bumpy points where you had to, yeah. where you had to wrestle with your own shame and wrestle with your past life. So take me a little bit through that because I, I can't just assume it's been easy for you. No, it wasn't easy. It was a journey and I had to fight hard to get to where I am. And one thing that really helped me was it was really having a relationship with the Holy Spirit because he took me through this beautiful journey of healing where it was like, look, he had me look at myself in the mirror one time and just like, he like speak life over all the broken, like the broken, like he's like, there's an eight year old girl in you. Like she's broken, speak life over her. And so I would just start encouraging. And these are things that only the Holy spirit could have took me through. The Bible says that he's not just a counselor, but he is the counselor. And so he counseled me through my mess. I spent a lot of time, um, Every day I worship, pray, read my Bible. I would go on fast all the time. Like I was just so hungry for God. And when you can develop a hunger for God, he will fill your hunger. Mm. So the more hungry you come to God, the more filled you will become. But talking about my battle with shame, um, there was a ministry that had asked me to record my testimony for them. And I thought they were just going to play it at the porn shows. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm all in. Like, just, you know, the porn stars are going to see this and hopefully they'll find Jesus. Um, and I recorded it and it ended up going viral because they threw it up on YouTube. And that's when I had my first stint with like, oh, my goodness, I'm so ashamed. Mm. Everybody at my church is going to know what I've done. Like, I've been telling them that I was a receptionist. I was so ashamed of my sin that I lied about where I yep. came yep. from. When people would be like, how'd you find the church? Oh, you know, I'm working a few miles away. Somebody told me about it. Like, I've just been a receptionist for the last 10 years. <laughs> Crazy, because here I am lying and people in my church knew who I was, which was even more mortifying because I'm like, now they knew I was lying, but I didn't know that at the time. So anyways, the Holy Spirit told me, Brittany, can you picture Jesus on the cross right now? And I'm like, yes. And he said, can you picture every beating that he took, all the whips? Can you picture the crown of thorns in his head? And I'm just like, yes. And he said, um, was that enough for you? And I said, yeah. And he said, then why are you ashamed of the very thing that Jesus died for? Now go and be set free. And that's what I'm telling you. When you get a word from God, it's like when you hear the, the revealed knowledge from God, like a revelation, that is truly what brings transformation. And so when I got that word from him, I just went to church that following Sunday and I started telling everybody like, uh, I used to be a porn star, but Jesus Christ set me free. God is so good. And I don't know that I necessarily should have gone to that extent. But you know what? I was walking in so much freedom. I didn't care. I thought everybody was that free. So I was like, everyone's going to be celebrating with me. Um, so yeah, I basically just, you know, that was how I experienced freedom. And if you're battling with shame from masturbation and porn, like you need to know that what Jesus did on the cross for you was more than enough. Um, and to, to like, look at him, picture him on the cross. And if that was a more than enough for you, then you can be set free from that shame too. We just have to get to a place where we quit caring what other people think about us. Like it's so irrelevant. It doesn't matter what they think, what they say, who cares? You've made mistakes mistakes. So have they. So it's like, just go and be set free and live your life. That's such a good word. And, and it leads to authenticity because we've been catechized in a world of 
trying to take all the things in our life and only showing the people the stuff that we really like. And so, you know, when people uh, lift a heavy weight or they do a crazy backflip or something like that, they're not showing all the times where they fell down or where yeah. they, they got hurt or where they didn't get the weight. It's always the glory, right? And you never post the picture of you and your family whenever, you know, one kid's got a finger up the other kid's nose and you're like, you're, you can't find, figure out what smells bad. Like it's never those situations. It's always this really manicured way of doing things. But I want to go back to 2016 when you became Brittany Dell. Delamora, whenever you did marry Richard De La Mora, who was a pastor at Cornerstone Church in California, at least at that time. So every couple, especially in modernity, has had to do that, define the relationship talk. You've been dating for a while. Things are getting serious. Let's define a relationship. And you have those big conversations. Hey, do you want to stay home with kids? Do you even want kids? Uh, where do we want to live? Which house do we go to for Christmas dinner? Like those types of questions. But also in that DTR talk, you're talking about your your last sexual encounters and you're talking about all those types of things. And for a lot of folks, their conversation is not like your conversation. And so I'm curious how a conversation like that goes between you and and your pastor, uh, this pastor that's, you know, you're wanting to get married and, and you're, you've fallen in love and all those types of things. Like, man, that had to just be kind of like a, a weird thing to try and traverse. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was honestly, we had some really mortifying conversations, but um, God's grace is super sufficient. So he basically, um, there were a couple people before I had ever even shared my story that were like, hey, you know that girl, Brittany, that serves in your ministry? Because I served in the young adult ministry. They're like, I think she used to do porn. He's like, no way. She would have like, no, like he never suspected that. And my pa- our pastor knew, and so our pastor had asked me to share my testimony at our church, and this was like a year later. So I shared our, my story, and um, his parents, who were living five hours up north, happened to be there that day. So not only did he hear my testimony for the first time, and we weren't dating at this time, we were just friends, hmm. um, his, his parents also heard my story. And his mom told him, son... I have a strong feeling that woman is your wife. And he's like, what do you mean? And he's like, she understands the grace of God because she's been broken and she's experienced his healing and I love her. And so for him, he had already, he had some feelings for me. He didn't tell me, I didn't know. I knew I had feelings for him, but so that to him was kind of confirmation because he'd never brought home a woman with a past like mine. That wasn't, you know, he dated these little model girls with very clean stories and, you know, um, so the fact that his mom saw it before he did was like, you know, that was, a, that was a lot for him because he's very close to his mom. So, um, yeah, proceeding forward, I think we started dating like eight months after that, but that's when some more mortifying conversations came about. You know, he wanted to know things like he wanted to know everything about my past. He wasn't the, he wasn't a man who really even watched porn. I know he sold it in high school or something like that, you know, like, Mm. but he wasn't like, but he's like, I need to know everything because what if somebody comes up to me and tells me, I don't want to be shocked. So, and I'm, and we started having those hard talks and I'm really glad we did because when I started posting that I was dating a guy, um, a lot of the old porn fans of mine came out and would send him images and videos like, this is who you're going to marry. Did you know she used to do porn? And really, really like things that were really horrifying for me. So I'm glad that we had all those discussions, but that just goes to show you that God's grace is sufficient. They were not easy talks. And I swear every time he took me out on a date, I would be praying for like 20 minutes before him, like, God, grace this man. I know he's going to ask me a hard question today. (laughs) 
please let him hear it with your ears. You know, I think I was more mortified than him. Well, I, I really appreciate how forthright you're being with those answers. Cause again, especially in this kind of Christianese space, you can make everything super squeaky clean and, Oh yeah, I told him what I did for a living and he just snapped his fingers. and He's like, well, that's great. Let's move on. You want to get married today? Like, obviously that's not how it works with yeah. like real people, but yeah. I do want to talk about love always ministries because that's what uh, you and your husband are doing now. You are directly ministering to porn stars, to sex workers, but also people that do struggle with a problem, uh, a porn problem, which I say it's a masturbation problem masked as a porn problem, because obviously you don't need one without the other kind of a thing. But tell me about what, what you're doing, because obviously you said kind of how you got it going. But it's one thing to, to give this message, but it's another thing to go to porn shows and talk to women that are currently in the life that you used to be in and tell them Jesus has something better for you. So take me through that. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's a beautiful experience to get to go to a porn show and just talk to like thousands of consumers and porn stars. Um, I had one woman when I went out who, uh, well, there's two pretty special cases, but one woman in particular, like I just ran into her. Um, I actually had lived in a model house with her at one point and she just started crying when she saw me and she's like, you look so different. What, what's so different about you? And I was able to tell her about Jesus. And then that Monday, uh, or that Sunday, uh, she, we had already flown home. I drove to LA, took her to church. She received Jesus as her Lord and savior. Um, and then that Monday she quit porn. And then another woman I've been, I ministered to her for like over a year before she quit porn. She just sent me a little family card. She's in a beautiful relationship, has the sweetest little baby girl. Um, and so it's really cool to see. And I, I know when I first started going to convention, I was like, how are people going to receive me? This is probably going to be like, so like people are probably going to hate me there. But what I found is that everybody's searching for joy. Everybody's searching for love. Everybody's searching for peace. And so when you found that and you can give that to them, mm -hmm. there more people are open to hearing the message than those who are not. I do get a few haters, but actually it's like 95% of the people are actually really open to hearing the story, especially when they know, Hey, I've been here. So they're like, okay, like, like they want to know the story. They want to know the gospel. It's really cool. So that that's, that's not what you would expect to hear. Like, obviously you would expect to hear that you show up there and then it's just like this nonsense raining down on top of you. So it, it is refreshing to kind of hear that. And I know we're running short on time and you got a baby that needs, uh, needs mama here in a little bit. So we'll make this the last question of the day. A lot of people have worked tirelessly to get rid of things that, um, destroy human flourishing. One of the main things is the abortion industry. Obviously we saw last year with the overturning of Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey, a lot of these pro-lifers basically, you know, they hung up their shield and their sword and they're like, ah, oh, we did it. And then it's like, oh crap. Now there's fights on the state, uh, at the state level. And there's all these other things that are going to happen. So the fight does continue. One thing that I've been advocating for, and that I would like to see is the criminalization of the pornography industry. We've seen some places do kind of these half measures. I think recently in Louisiana, they said that they were going to have like actual ID verification that you have to be over 18 before you can use certain porn sites. But it's like a, a 12 year old can get around uh, th that, you know, pretty easily, but it's like moving in the right direction. But from your opinion, Christians, conservatives, uh, whatever kind of category you want to make those people, should that be one of the next things we we add to our fight? Like, hey, this there's nothing redeemable about this industry. We need to get rid of it. Yeah, 100%. Um, one thing that I feel very strongly about is doing something such as facial recognition to even get on a porn site. Um, I think that that's a huge step in the right direction because the reality is, is unfortunately we do live in like 
you know, a world where it is free will and to take porn off the internet entirely would be a beautiful ending goal. But a step in the right direction is let's protect children. Let's protect these innocent young minds. Um, so, I mean, even as parents though, until something like that comes, comes about, there's some incredible apps that you can put on your kid's phone to block these things. Um, but I have even heard of kids that have these, that there's some private browsers. So I don't know, there's gotta be more ways around all of this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that that would be a great fight, um, especially for people who know the, who have experienced porn and have been damaged by it. Like, let's take a stand and let's get the, let's get the, these, um, let's get these things passed. And you and your husband will be on the forefront of that fight. Benjamin Nolo, I will be on the forefront of that fight and we'll keep pushing it there. Yes. Amazingly, Brittany, we didn't have a whole lot of time to talk today, but I feel like we covered a ton of ground. So great job answering the questions. I think you did fantastic, but that's all for me. Is there anything else you want to get off your chest? No, I appreciate you having me on. I'm excited to, to watch the final product. All right, Brittany Delamore, thank you for coming on Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. Thank you. There you go, guys. I hope you enjoyed my time with Brittany Delamora. But before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. At Undaunted Life, our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So the links I've got for you today, I've got a link to her website, Love Always Ministry, so you guys can check out all the resources there. Also a link to a book that she wrote with her husband, A Call to Purity, Living a Lifestyle of Purity, and then also a link to her Instagram page. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a positive five-star review. If you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. Follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook and check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. And as always, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their music for our content. The music on this podcast is our song Cutting the Tides, which is off their 10th anniversary re-recording of their album Leveler. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep pushing back darkness, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical resilience, keep seeking the Lion of Judah. Judah.